The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another Duly Noted podcast, the Thursday edition. Uh, I kind of forgot all about that whole thing we did last year about the pre and the post, and we tried to come up with names. Look, it's just the Thursday edition. We'll talk about the Florida-Kentucky game as well as other games around the country. It's certainly going to be an interesting game, I believe, Saturday. Uh, this has been my theme. Uh, we talk about it in the Swampcast. I've talked about it in speeches. I've talked about it, I think, in the paper. <laughs> There's so many uh, different ways you, that we get the information to you and get uh, my opinions to you. And I've said all along, and this is what I talked about Tuesday night to the quarterback club, this is a do-your-job game for Florida. You need to go out there, and I, I truly believe this sets the tone for the entire season. And you could say, well, you know, they lost to Kentucky last year and won 10 games. I don't think this team wins 10 games if they lose to Kentucky. That's just my opinion. But I don't think that happens for them. I think uh, to lose to Kentucky uh, after you've been talking about how you are all bought in now and you are all, um, you know, you get what the coaches are saying and the coaches are, are saying, or Coach Mullen is saying, these guys understand what we're trying to do and the quarterback understands what we're doing, he gets it and all this. And then if you go out and lose that game, I think it's going to be a real confidence uh, destroyer for this team versus what it was last year, which was totally different. Last year was a, hey, wake-up call, and everybody talks about how it was. Uh, they got manhandled on both lines of scrimmage scrimmages, and, you know, I know, and people have reminded me that Robbie and I kept, after that Kentucky game, were saying, I don't think Florida wins four games this year. That's how bad they looked in that game. They looked that bad in a one what was basically a one-possession game. Because obviously the last score was kind of a flukish play, you know, desperation play that gave Kentucky a, a bigger win than that. What was it, twenty-seven nineteen? I believe was the final. But the but the here's the bottom line on this: you came out of that game going, Kentucky's better in Florida. They have better players in Florida. They don't this year. They certainly have lost a lot. Uh, you may have read my column in the paper today or online. Those of you that subscribe. And you know how I, I feel about it. I think Kentucky is better than a lot of people think they are, but they aren't as good as last year. When you lose guys like Josh Allen and Benny Snell and all that, those guys in the secondary, um, it hurts. You know, they got a guy this week, uh, a former FSU player, who um, was ruled eligible. He'll help them a little. They're not going to play him a ton, I would think. Uh, but he didn't play a ton at FSU. Hardly played, to be honest with you. And, but it's another body. It's another person to go in the game. And obviously losing the quarterback, uh, Terry Wilson, who really uh, came into his own in that game. To be honest with you, you know, I watched Kentucky play all season. I don't think he ever played as good as he did in that game. And I don't know if Florida just wasn't ready for him. They didn't understand what he could do with his legs, that he could still make good throws. Uh, you know, you'd watch them play and you go, well, yeah, Terry Wilson's not that good. Uh, it's funny because before the season – we were talking about it, 
how um, who would be the ninth best quarterback in the SEC. And I think we went through nine, and we never got to Terry Wilson because as good as he was at times, he was a little bit inconsistent. Um, of course, that that list has changed so much now. He's out for the year. Jake Bentley's out for the year. Uh, some other guys are banged up. Uh, you know, Felipe Franks is not getting the love he was getting in the preseason, certainly. So that that certainly is a list that has changed. But, you know, now Sawyer Smith takes over. He's a kid from um, what's called Cantonment. It's it's just Pensacola, basically. It's But I know, I know it very well because my friends Dave and Angie Sapp live out there, and I stay with them when I go and speak to their quarterback club. Um, and they're really good friends of ours. In fact, she taught him in um, in uh, debate class in at, at Pensacola Tate, and he's a guy who really wanted to play big time football and had to kind of settle for Troy, and went to Troy and didn't win the job there. Uh, but they had an injury. He came in quarterback the last seven games, MVP of the Dollar General Bowl. So he's got a trophy. Somewhere, I'm sure, in his family's house in Pensacola. Um, so, you know, look, he's capable. He's a talented guy. But they're not going to put too much on him. They've got really good running backs. Kvossier, Smoke uh, is really good. Kvossier, I'm sorry, which we were talking about yesterday. Do you think that that is a misspelled name or a I'm going to take Kvossier and and spell it my way to make his, him different. I always wonder that with some names, with different people. You know, I, there's a there's a girl at our bank that has a, a different spelling of of a name. I can't even remember what her name is now. But sometimes people just go, all right, your name is Amber, but with a Y, you know, just to make it different. I don't know. I just, I'm always curious about those things. Asim Rose is another one uh, who's really good. So you got Sawyer Smith, Cavassier, Smoke, and a seam rose. That's that's pretty good all name team, isn't it? Right there. They got talented guys. But Lynn Bowden is is going to be the key because Lynn Bowden is a is a talented guy. You remember him from last year. He played really well against Florida last year. He's leading him in receiving, but they're going to line him up a lot at Wildcat. He's going to throw it. He's going to run uh, jet sweeps, not from the Wildcat. He's going to run it uh, right up the middle from the Wildcat, kind of like Benny Snell did last year. To me, if Lynn Bowden does nothing in this game, I would almost guarantee a Florida win. Now, you never guarantee anything in college football, but I would almost guarantee a Florida win. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about, and certainly we'll get into some of the other games. I'm going to tell you why this game is so important for the Gators um, when we get back after we take a break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. I'm your host, Pat Dooley, from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Dooley Noted Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. All right, um, 
I told you I was going to tell you why this game is so important. And Robbie and I just taped our um, Swampcast, pregame Swampcast. And, and I said this, Aaron, but I'm just going to repeat it here because I feel strongly about this. And I've been saying this all week. This game sets up the rest of the season. Now, if you remember before the year started, I kept telling people the Miami game was the most important game of the year. And I felt strongly about that. And the reason it was is you could not – you did not want to sap the momentum of the 10-win season. There had been a lot of negativity towards the program caused some by, by their players. All the guys going to the transfer portal, injuries. Um, certainly that, there, was, there were issues, not, you know, losing recruits, guys not getting eligible. So there was a lot of negativity there. And I felt like Florida needed to kind of change that by winning this game against a rival in a neutral site, a truly neutral site, a team that didn't like them and a team they don't like, their fans, and um, and just go out and win the game, and uh, that would kind of solve a lot of problems. Uh, the problem was they won the game and didn't seem to solve any problems because everybody was still down on them. Obviously, people beating up on Felipe and other players for the – late penalties uh, obviously especially the penalties and the, and the um, pass interference and Florida dropped in the polls down to where I had them which you know uh, is where I, I I mean I felt pretty good about where I had them and everybody else seemed to agree with me then but this is the game now and I will say in the preseason I didn't see this game it's kind of weird like three years ago I remember doing radio and I said I think the Kentucky game is the most important game people look like at me like I had three heads but I really felt strongly going into this year I didn't I didn't feel like the Kentucky game was a key game I've changed my mind I I really believe it is and it's not just because it's the next game I believe it because it sets up the rest of your season it sets it all up beautifully because if you if you win this game you got the mighty Vols coming in next week we know what's going on with those guys. Then Towson, and then you go into Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, Georgia. That will define your season. This game isn't going to define it. In fact, this game can't define it positively. It could probably define it negatively. If they lose this game, it could be we could go look back and go, I remember when they lost that Kentucky game, I knew this this was not going to end well for this team. And again, having C.J. Henderson out a blow. Uh, there's no question. But they just need to find a, a way to win this game. Okay? Now, not, they aren't going to find it the same way they did two years ago. Um, I think, in fact, I, I think I, I told this joke, Kentucky has a new secret weapon. They're going to actually cover Florida's receivers. Florida didn't deserve to win that game. They did some good things. But don't forget, Felipe got benched there in, in Lexington, so he's got bad memories of that. Um, although you can't get anybody to talk about the past. It's, it's kind of a weird dynamic with this team. We asked Marco Wilson about getting hurt against Kentucky, whatever. I'm only worried about this game. They're definitely a team that they're co- they've gotten the message from their coaches, look forward, not behind you. Uh, I always love the Tom Petty line. I've used it a couple of times. You can look best back, but it's best not to stare. And it's accurate. You don't want to keep looking. Like, there are times when I look back to the old days of, of newspapers, and we had huge budgets and huge staffs, and we went everywhere. 
Yeah, I look back fondly on that, but you better not stare at it. Because if you keep staring at it, pretty soon you're just going to get depressed and uh, you're not going to do your job. And that's exactly what you have to take the outlook as a football team. The only game that matters is this year's game. The streak doesn't matter. The streak that they had, the streak getting snapped, none of that matters. I don't think Kentucky goes into this game with any more confidence against Florida than than they have in the past. They knew they had a better team two years ago. They knew they were going to win that game. They just forgot to cover two guys. You know, that was that was it. They were they were really good that year and should have beaten Florida. Now I know that I think they ended up seven and six. Florida ended up four and seven. So um again, I just think you set up this is a this is the ultimate setup game. This is Lucy putting it on the tee, but if she pulls it away, it may not go well for the rest of the year. Because this is not, as we know, the best SEC team you're going to play. You got to play a brutal defense against Auburn. You got to play a suddenly dynamic offense in LSU. You got to play the dogs. You got to go to Missouri where you struggle. This is a setup for the rest of the season. You win this game, let's go. Let's see what this team can do then. I think everybody will be a lot more excited. And I again go back to my. Like, I've got dualisms, as we talked about last week. One of my dualism is, it, dualisms is win by one. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if it's Tennessee Martin. You may not be – the fans may not be happy. You may wonder about your team, but you still want to win the game. When they Remember when they went beat – was it FAU in the rain that one year? And they won on, in overtime, I believe it was. I'm uh, – I'm, I'm trying to remember. I wish I had a media guy right in front of me. And the players were going nuts, and the fans were happy. And, of course, after the game, we're like, can you believe that? They went to overtime with this team. But they won. It's all about winning and losing. I used to say that about basketball all the time, win by one. But it, it carries over to football. If you win the game, you'll be happy. If you give me 21-20 Florida right now, I'll take it. And then sets up the rest of the season. Now, you're going to have a lot of things to clean up, but don't forget this is still early. And the one thing Dan Mullen has shown everywhere he's been, which would be two places, is how his teams improve as the season goes along. And you can say, well, everybody gets better. Well, not everybody. Not Believe me, not everybody. I don't think Auburn got better as the season went along. They got better at the end when they killed Purdue. But they didn't get better as the season goes along because halfway through the season, they lost to Tennessee at home. So do your job. Go get the win. Find a way to win a game on the road. Come home. Clean things up again because you know there are going to be mistakes. We've talked about this before. There are going to be mistakes in every game. Every team has them. It happens. Now, one thing about Kentucky so far this year they've only got two sacks now they you know again you're playing Eastern Michigan and Toledo Toledo's not bad at all in fact I thought Toledo might might upset them and for a while it looked like they were going to upset them in that first game but they've only got two sacks and of course Florida's got 15 leading the nation it'll be interesting to see if they are able to get to this guy because you've got to think you know I, I, I don't know like I'm not smart enough 
to be a I'm I, I think I'm smart enough to be a coach, but I don't know enough to be a coach. You know, there's a difference. I think I could be a good coach, but I'd have to watch a lot of film. And I would have to understand the techniques and all that stuff better, way better than I do. There are times when things get explained to me and I go, oh, I had no idea. I think I know a lot. I really don't. I know a little. I know more than a lot of people. I think that's another dualism. Remember that one? I, I used that a while back. I know more than you think I know, but I know less than I think I know. That, it was somewhere along those lines. I'm going to use those tonight. I'm speaking to the Fighting Gator Touchdown Club. I may I may bring out all my dualisms tonight. Um, but if I'm Todd Grantham, what do I do here? Do I say, let's blitz the crap out of this guy? He's never played against an SEC school uh, like us. He's never played against a team. You know, he's quoted in my story, I actually, my friend John Clay, who you heard on the podcast Tuesday, helped me out there. He said, um, you know, I played against big teams before. Nebraska, they played against Nebraska. They were huge. So I played against fast teams before. But now i got to play against a big and fast team. So that is the first time he's going to see that. If you're Todd Grantham, do you, do you just bombard the guy? You know, when you do that and you don't have CJ out there, you may give up an easy touchdown. Or do you just say, look, we're going to stay back. We're going to play cover two. We're going to rush with four. We think they can get to them eventually and, you know, count on them not completing a lot of passes, make him really think through his progressions. And then Lynn Bowden comes in the game. What do you, what do you do? Is he going to run? Is he going to pass? I mean, it'll be an interesting thing. I'm always like, as I get older and I'm really old, as we all know, I'm more fascinated with the game plans than ever before. Like it used to be, like in the days of Steve Spurrier, after the game, I'd, I'd watch the game on tape and i go, oh, that's what they did. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now I see what they were – during the game, it's just who threw it, who caught it, did they score a touchdown. As I get older, I'm, I'm always fascinated with the game plans and especially sometimes the explanations of the game plans. At any rate, we will see – what happens and what I, again, I think is a very important game for this football team. Uh, I got a lot. I want to get to all the um, spreads and everything that we always do on Thursday and three things as well. First, we're going to take a break. We're going to bring on Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated. Good guy and really good writer. Has written some great pieces. And um, we'll talk to him about college football and where it is right now. Uh, But right now, it's time for a break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits in Florida is family-owned since 1936 and longtime Gator supporters. Did you know Touchdown Terrace was named after the founder, Jack Holloway? There are 122 ABC locations throughout Florida. Shop online at abcfws.com and pick up in-store on the way to your tailgate or game day party. ABC has walk-in coors for beer and amazing deals every day on wine and spirits. Save $10 on every $100 on wine. ABC Wickers, proud Gator supporters. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. A great pleasure to be joined by Ross Dellinger from 
SINow.now, and uh, of course, Sports Illustrated does a great job covering college football. Must read, must follow on Twitter as well. And uh, Ross, it's been a kind of a weird first couple of weeks of the season. It, you know, it's been strange here because when you have that week zero game and then a bye week, and, and it goes from there. But even all around college football, all of a sudden, everybody's talking about heat. It's like cramping, and mm. and and uh, you know, we we've got now Locker Gate in Texas <laughs> and everything else. Hasn't it been kind of strange, or is that just college football? Well, I think it's yeah, it probably is college football. I mean, it seems like every year it's it's pretty strange. Uh, although, yeah, I mean this this uh, early September or so has been been really probably warmer than normal. So I think you're having um, some of that stuff. I mean, I, you know, I was at Austin, Texas, uh, for the LSU uh, Texas game. I mean, it was 98 degrees at kickoff, um, and then I was in Clemson. Uh, the week before for Clemson, Georgia Tech, in I mean I don't know what the temperature was, but it was pretty warm. It was probably like 85 degrees at like a 7 8 p.m. kickoff or something. So it's been abnormally warm. I feel like you know it feels like we're we're mid early July and not not early September. You know the obvious question about that LSU Texas game uh, for to somebody who saw it with his own eyes are they. Is that LSU offense because as good as it seems? Because I watched the game, and then I went back and rewatched it, and they didn't do anything exotic. I think more than anything, it was just that they threw the ball when you thought for sure they would run it. Well, they, they yeah, they they certainly did that. They had an aggressive, uh, more mentality, um, and they showed that late in the game when they called five pass plays in one rush. Uh, inside of four minutes, you know, by six, you know, yeah. the old uh, the old LSU would have probably called five rush plays in one pass uh, during that situation. They did the opposite. Um, they're obviously, you know, just formationally. I mean, they are they are much much different uh, from what they they had been in the past. In fact, I was doing a little study. I, I I got a magazine story coming out next week about LSU's kind of overhauled offense and. The, uh, the it's striking the the formations uh, in the use of receivers. Uh, you know they are spread. You know, and, and we're used to LSU being under center quite a bit, uh, using maybe two receivers on average. You know, they're using four receivers on average, and they are in the shotgun almost exclusively. So it's uh, they're spreading. They're basically just in the spread. You know, and it's it's finally arrived. Yeah, it's funny because now we're there's a lot of people who like everybody's so all over what they're doing offensively, and I I agree it's it's kind of fun to watch and it makes them dangerous. But you also have to look at that defense and why why now was it their defense or was it the Texas offensively is that good? Well, I, I do think Texas offensively is good. I mean, I, Sam Ellinger I think is a is a dang good quarterback and he's got some pretty good. Uh, receivers as well. They're, they're going to light it up in the Pac-12. Um, if that if that if that Texas team um, doesn't go, you know, ten and two, I'll be a little surprised. You know, in the regular season. Um, so I, I think they're really good. However, uh, yeah, you bring up a great point. You know, that's the thing with going to the spread, right? And when you talk to coaches, you know, traditional coaches like Les Miles and even a Nick Saban and um, heck, even Orgeron himself, they'll tell you. Um, you know, that's the problem, and that's why it took them so long to go to the spread is because the pressure uh, it puts on your defense in LSU's defenses on the field 
85 plays uh, against Texas. Um, that is the most plays an LSU defense has been on the field since 2013. So they're in a regulation game. So there's an obvious thing that kind of comes with that. Also, LSU lost the time of possession that about, I think, eight minutes or more than eight minutes. Um, so you, that comes with it, man. You know, it always was asked in the press conference afterwards, you know, is that your defense giving up 38 points and 530 yards, is that just a product of running a spread offense, you know, on the other side of the ball? And uh, he immediately said no, but I think it is absolutely a product of it. You know, we have a week this week where it is. it feels like week zero this week because there are zero great games. Uh, no uh, teams playing that are both teams are ranked. I mean, there's certainly going to be some interesting games, and we know some crazy moment's going to happen, and we're going to freak out about it. But I, I do feel like college football is getting to that point and moving towards, like I tell people here, it's not enough that the Gators are playing football. Okay, you've got to bring somebody in, you know, and and that's what it seems like everybody's mm-hmm. going to down the road. But um, there's not not much we can do about a week like this, is there? No, it's been yeah, it's been a couple of years since we've had a week like this. It was October 2017, the last time you had a weekend uh, with without a top 25, two top 25 teams playing one another. Uh, and that weekend, uh, ESPN put out this stat, uh, the Bear did, I think seven, you had seven ranked teams lose, five of them upset, uh, where they were the favorite and got upset. So maybe this week we'll, uh, while not, while not being, uh, real flashy, uh, maybe we'll have some, uh, we'll have some upsets this week. Let me ask you this, because I'm an AP voter, and I voted for North Carolina. Why is North Carolina not ranked, especially when you look at some of the teams and what they've done so far? It's almost like people aren't looking at it as, what have you done this year? It's like, what do I think you're going to be down the road? I don't have to admit, man, I didn't even know that. I cannot believe they're not ranked. I, don't, I guess I don't look at the AP poll as much as I should. I mean, I used to be a voter as well, and, you know, when you're a beat writer, you're always – you're always attaching the AP poll ranking to the team you cover's name, so you're always looking at it. You're always writing stories about it. In the position I'm in now, you know, I, it, I don't hardly ever use it, but uh, that is shocking. I mean, you beat South Carolina on the, you know, away from home and, and uh, beat Miami. I don't know how you would rank a team like North Carolina, or not rank a team like North Carolina, and rank a team like uh, some other teams that got in. I saw Maryland got in, and they have had an impressive stretch they have but uh man i think i would rank north carolina before before maryland but i you know that's that's the deal with uh preseason polls right uh you know they um that, that that's why probably a lot of people argue they shouldn't be uh preseason polls because uh you kind of teams always start somewhere maybe they should all start in the same in the same spot and a lot of times that does not happen but for sure, the Tar Heels need to be ranked. I'm, yeah, I'm actually you know, pretty surprised by that. Well, I, you know, last year, the team that I ranked in the preseason poll, and everybody laughed at me, I was the only guy who voted for him, was Kentucky. So I was mm-hmm. right about that one, too. So mm-hmm. so just yep. so you know, just follow my poll, and you'll know who's, who's got to be <laughs> there you good. Go. Um, but it, look, Clemson, you don't think they have anything to worry about going to Syracuse this week, do you? Well, um, the, the only thing I'd say is, <laughs> is uh, last year and the year before, you know, Clemson just has had trouble with them uh, the last two years. 
almost losing to them last season at home and then losing to them uh, the year before that up in Syracuse. I think that was like a Friday game or something. So that was kind of a weird one. But, um, you know, we saw Syracuse really struggle against Maryland, um, allowing 63 points. I mean, that was – that was that was a shocker. So yeah. the fact that uh, Maryland can put up 63 points, and I do think Maryland has come a long way in running the Alabama offense, and Mike Loxley seems like he's got them going in the right direction. But to, to allow 63 points uh, would would seem to uh, not bode well this week um, for Syracuse. So I think eventually it, it probably is a couple touch, two or three touchdown game, but I. I wouldn't be surprised just judging by the last two years if it, if it kind of was close, you know, maybe early on. Yeah, you know what the key is for Maryland? They got the Zucker on their staff. Ron Zook that's is right. like a quality that's control right. guy up there. So. Analyst, yeah, Ron yeah. Zook, that's right. Yeah, I know, man. I was pitching a story to them. Yeah, if, I, if they get on a roll, going to, going to spend some time with the Zucker because, uh, yeah, that's uh, interesting. I think they play – I guess Illinois at some point, probably. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know he used to coach there, so that's a yeah. That is an interesting storyline. Well, Ross, uh, tell tell the listeners what you got cooking now, uh, next up for uh, on SI dot com and of course Sports Illustrated. Well, we you know we talked about LSU's uh, overhauled offense. I was down at, 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 in Austin for that game, so we've got a magazine story coming um, uh, next week, and it'll drop online early next week about. Uh, the savior behind LSU's offense, uh, the 29-year-old who came in, kind of installed this system, and just in general how LSU's offense um, finally switching to the spread has has kind of sent this uh, sent this fan base, even the state, even the governor of the state, into kind of a, a tizzy of celebration. It's like Mardi Gras down there, you know, in South Louisiana. They're running the spread, hurrah! So, uh, that'll that'll drop at some point, uh, but I'm not going anywhere this weekend, man. Too. Too rough of a slate. I'll be. I'll be home. Well, I, I don't blame you. I will, of course, be in Lexington. What What's your take on that? And before I let you go, the Florida Kentucky game. And I know Kentucky's lost a lot of talent. Personally, I think they still have a good enough team to beat Florida. I don't know that they will, but I think they're, they've got enough talent because I think he's recruited well enough there. He has. Uh, he, he's he's done an impressive job there, especially. Uh, mining the state of Ohio um, for kids and talented kids. Uh, they all can't go to Ohio State, you know, so he's done a good job there. Uh, I would have – I'm kind of with you. I, I expected, actually, Kentucky to win the game, but then I saw that they lost their quarterback. And to me, that kind of changes changes my outlook of the game. You know, I think Florida, while not impressive at all in the Miami game, as you as you saw, you know, offensively, but defensively, um, especially facing a team without a starting quarterback, I think Todd Grantham and, and the guys kind of you know get it done there. Maybe it's close for a little while, but um, I think the Gators pull it out. Ross Dellinger is our guest, or has been our guest, and he, you can read his stuff at si.com. And, uh, of course, in Sports Illustrated. And your Twitter handle is? It's my name, Ross Dellinger. You can't beat that. That's, a, that's original. I, I like it. I know. People People talk about that. That in, in my, my uh, Gmail account, my personal email account, is just my last name at gmail.com. It's like people are like, wait, what? how did that happen? Like, I guess I got into it the first year Like Gmail was really becoming big. And there you go. My name was available. So, yeah. yeah. All right, we'll be back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast after we take a break for this message. I'm your host, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this 
is a duly noted podcast presented by Zaxby's. Okie dokie. Uh, let's, um, you know, it's interesting this week that you have a conference non-conference game. North Carolina's playing Wake Forest. It's not a conference game. They scheduled it as a non-conference game. And it got me thinking, that's not a bad idea. You know, because the league is so screwed up, and it is, and scheduling in this league is, is, is awful. I, I, I don't agree with them at all. I don't. I certainly – the eight-game thing, okay, I get why they're doing it because it, it's worked. I get all that. But Florida and Auburn should play each other more than once every, you know – Haley's Comet. Why not schedule Auburn home and home for a non-conference game? I gotta when I see Scott Strickland Saturday, and I sh- hopefully I will. I'm gonna ask him about that whether he's ever thought about that. But it's kind of cool that North Carolina and Wake are playing a non-conference game uh, when you're looking for teams. and And Scott will be the first to tell you it's hard to find teams in Power Five that want to go home and home. You know, you heard Nick Saban last week railing about how nobody wants to come play play a home-and-home home with Alabama. They don't want to come down there. I don't think that's true, but somebody does. Meanwhile, they've got it scheduled. They've got home-and-home home scheduled for like the next 400 years against really quality teams, too. Um, so anyway, let's look at some of the spreads. In the, it's certainly interesting that Florida's spread was 10 at the start of the week. Uh, Florida favored by 10. And, again, that was reaction to Terry Wilson's injury. And uh, the money has come in on Kentucky, feeling like that's an awful lot of points, so that it's been bet down to eight points. Again, just want to make it clear, I'm not condoning gambling, and I'm not not condoning it for because I'm, I'm too moral for it. I just like to give you the spreads, and you guys do what you want with them. I gave you the Michigan – uh, Army lock last week, and it was a good one. I'm, I'm going to try to give you another one this this week. Um, you know what game is really interesting to me is Mississippi State-Kansas State because I don't know much about Mississippi State this year. I know Tommy Stevens uh, hurt his toe. That's about it. Uh, I ho- We'll be able to watch that game. It's an early game, so we'll be able to watch it. That is uh, Mississippi State favored by seven in that game. They're at home, and that's probably a lot of it. And I got to think, like like – if you're a, a, a Florida player and you've never been to Starkville, it, it was probably a little disarming to walk in there and hear all those cowbell clankers and the the uh, PA system is cranked up to 14. Um, it was like I, I've told you guys the story before. Robbie and I watched the whole game, open air press bus with headphones on, just to cancel out the noise. It, it was so loud; it was ridiculously loud. In fact, it was uncomfortably loud. And to be to be honest with you. It was obscenely loud. I don't think they should do that. And I think Florida seems to be trending in that direction. There's a lot more music on the PA than there usually is versus, you know, used to be as a band dominated. I'm not a big fan of that. I think that's what makes college football great are the bands. But I digress. Um, Penn State, 17 and a half over Pitt. I'm rooting for Penn State because Pitt's coach – um, Narduzzi made their players off limits to the media. I, I first of all, it it's part of the paranoia of coaches. You know, well if they don't talk to the press, they'll they'll be more focused. No, they won't. It's not going to make them better players. 
talking to the press is part of life. It's something you de- you deal with, and it makes you a better person and a stronger person. You know, the year that Johnny Manziel won the Heisman, I almost didn't vote for him because he he was off limits to the media, and I didn't I don't didn't agree with that. I think that's part of of you know growing up as a player and part of what you have to deal with responsibilities. And obviously, look, I'm biased. I am prejudiced. I want you all to talk to us. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Um, okay, we have uh, South Carolina is only getting 25 and a half against Alabama at home. That line started at 21 has gone up. Nobody likes South Carolina this game. I'm giving it to you as your lock of the week. 25 and a half points for an SEC home team where they'll have a crowd rocking. That's not as bad as everybody thinks they are. I, this kid Helinski is supposed to be have a good arm and be good. Now I don't. I would not pick South Carolina if my life depended on it. But I think they cover twenty five and a half. There's your lock of the week, guys. You may want to wait and see if it gets bet up even more. UCF eight point favorite over Stanford. In the bounce house, you know, I, I don't want to hear if UCF beats Stanford, and they, and I think they will, and I think they'll beat them badly because, first of all, I don't think Stanford can score with UCF. UCF, their offensive system and everything they're doing, they went from Frost to Heupel and didn't miss a beat. They've got the I think they have the the longest streak with point scoring in the 30s. Stanford ain't getting in the 30s. That's just not happening. Did I say ain't? I was trying to be funny, but I, I never say the word ain't. It's a bad word. So, I mean, it's just a – it's not a word. They are not getting to, to 30 points. But I just don't want to hear the – well, see, UCF showed they can play with the big boys. Stanford just got killed by USC, okay? Stanford's not very good this year, I don't think. I think they're struggling, and I'm trying not to overreact two weeks into the season. But – Winning one – this is a thing that I don't think a lot of UCF fans understand. Winning a game against a Power 5 team, a, a good one. They beat Auburn, obviously. That was a good – you know, they obviously had the game with LSU last year. and um, Despite losing their quarterback, they, they kind of hung in there with them. But LSU was a better team. Playing one game against a team like that is not the test of a team. It's playing eight it's playing an eight-game conference schedule or a nine-game conference schedule, or it's playing, you know, two or three of them, then I may, then I may look at you. Now, they, they've got Stanford. I think they got Pitt also next week, right? It's not rocking my boat. I think UCF's really good. I have them in my top 20. I think I got them 17, somewhere around there. I, they're a really good team and really well coached, but – just winning one game against a you know a really good, not even a really good team, but a, a power five team that's got a reputation. No. Um, the okay, here's the thing. I looked up the Iowa Iowa State spread. Uh, as you know, game day is going to Ames Iowa, which is another problem with this week's schedule. It's just so bad. Uh, we'll still watch a lot of college football, but if you're ever going to take a week off or take the day off. Catch the Gator game at 7. This is the, the time to do it. This is the 
Saturday afternoon to say, hey, you know what, honey, let's go to a movie. Or, hey, kids, let's go play ball. Or let's go do something. Or let's go to the pool. You don't want to get out in the sun. Uh, it's going to be brutal. Because it's just a bad schedule. But I started to look up the Iowa-Iowa State spread, and I was like, I don't care. I don't care who wins that game, and I certainly don't care where the spread is. That's the problem. I mean, I know that they've never been to Iowa State, and that's a big deal, and it's a big deal in Iowa State. I just don't care. Do you care? I don't care. Clemson, 28 points over Syracuse, 28-point favorite at Syracuse. So if you figure Syracuse home field advantage is worth three points, they're 31-point favorites. I think they. I think Syracuse will cover, but I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet it. The interesting thing to me is how we aren't talking about uh, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence as being a Heisman guy anymore. All of a sudden, he's he's gone. The that's the way college football is, man. This guy's winning the Heisman. There's no doubt. He's the favorite. Has a couple of mediocre games. Doesn't play exceptionally well. They're two and zero. They don't have anybody left on their schedule that's any good. And I guess his Heisman hopes are dashed. Now it's Jalen Hurts. I always find that interesting. Miami, do not bet on this game. They're playing Bethune-Cookman. They are 41 points favorite, point favorites. And Miami, the thing is, it's funny about last week is Miami playing um, North Carolina. And we I, it was totally off the radar for me because we're covering the game and we were watching other games, as you know, Texas A&M and uh, – I'm sorry, LSU and um, Texas was around the same time. I knew that they missed a field goal. I had to go back and look at all the stats. They, they had almost 500 yards of offense and still found a way to lose. I, I, this Miami team is better than their record. They're 0-2. They may end up with, you know, not being bowl eligible. So we'll see. But they'll beat Bethune. I don't know if they'll beat them by 41. Meanwhile, your mighty Seminoles are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs at Virginia – uh, they've hired Jim Levitt, which was something I thought they were going to do last year. Uh, but they have hired him to help with the defense. Uh, I don't know that he'll make a difference, but he can't He can't hurt because they're bad. I think they've given up 1,085 yards, something like that. 1,085 yards, two games. And, it, and not exactly against, you know, 95 Nebraska they've been playing. Boise would scored 14 the next week. And UL uh, Monroe, right? Yeah, I was trying to think of who they played. Their defense is bad. And to me, they they aren't good. They aren't good players. I mean, are they not being coached well technique-wise? Or they haven't been developed? This goes back to what I talked about last week with conditioning. You don't get conditioned during the season. you got to be conditioned before the season starts. Uh, and then finally, Oklahoma at UCLA started out as a 17-point spread. Now it's at 24. UCLA is not very good. I think you all knew that. <laughs> and I was thinking this today. If Chip Kelly – because I've told the story. If Chip Kelly gets hired at Florida, how bad how bad does it, is it at Florida? Now, he would have had better players than he has at UCLA, I, I would think – but it feels like the magic's gone for Chip Kelly. He does, he he can't do things the way he used to do them and be successful. I mean, it's a bad situation out there. 
they're giving away tickets, you know, for one of the iconic stadiums in America. They're going to be 0-3, probably going to end up, you know, 3-9 again, something like that. So if he gets hired here, though, where would Florida be? I, I, you know, sometimes I just wish you could go into a alternate universe and find out. Where would he be and where would Dan Mullen be? Would he be at Tennessee? Would he be at FSU? If he's at Tennessee, I can't think they're as bad as they've been. Miss mean, a guy who knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in the SEC. That was one of the reasons he was so attractive to Florida. And look, let's face it. Scott Strickland would have hired him right off the bat if he didn't feel like, I, I can't go in there and take away the coach of the, of the place that I went to school and was AD, and I've already left the community, and I that was hard enough. Personally, I think Scott probably should have just said, you know, I'm I I got to be ruthless here. I'm going to get him right away, and instead went for Chip Kelly, which would have been a disaster. I think we all know. All right, let's go to three things. It's time for three things. All right, number one on three things. You know, the NFL is really interesting. I mean, fascinating. Doesn't have to be on the field. No matter what you – there's always something going on in that league. Sam Darnold has mono is going to be out for the game. I I don't know that I've ever heard of that in in the NFL. I've heard about it in college. I certainly remember Joe Kim Noah got his junior year at – or yeah, was it – no, it was his freshman year at Florida. He got mono. Uh, You got that. You got – Odell Beckham Jr.'s watch gate. He wants to wear this expensive watch, which to me, it's like I would never buy an expensive pair of sunglasses or an expensive watch, but especially an expensive pair of sunglasses because I'd be so afraid of losing them and then you're out all that money and they're easy to lose. I would think a watch is pretty easy to break if you're playing football, the most violent sport there is. And it's like a 300 $50,000 watch. And he says, I'm wearing it anyway. The NFL says, I can't, I don't care. I thought Colin Coward made a great point. Look, businesses are about uniformity. You got to wear the uniform exactly the way they want you to wear it. Doesn't mean it's right, but it's their rules and they get to decide how you do it. Because guess what? They're paying you a lot of money. And then you get, of course, Antonio Brown with a new issue with this sexual assault charge. Actually, it's not really a charge. It's a civil suit. Um, and again, I, I'm I'm the guy who always says this. Nobody knows what happened, okay? So you look, I understand um, you have to let it all play out, but nobody knows what happens. Just don't ever again, Drew Rosenhaus, use the I've got daughters excuse. or Like, I know – Antonio Brown didn't do this because I've got daughters. What, what, what the hell has that got to do with anything? It has nothing to do with it. You know what? I've got two daughters. I, I do. I don't have no idea what happened with Antonio Brown and his trainer. No idea. I don't even have to meet Antonio Brown to know what, what happened. He's a very charming guy. He's also a troublemaker. I'm going to leave it right there, Okay. Let's go to number two, classy move by Georgia, and I expect nothing but class from them. And look, I will tell you, of all Florida's rivals and all their sports, there's no no 
rival I respect more than the people of Georgia. A lot of it has to do with Greg McGarity being the AD there. But there's there's a lot of people there that I really am fond of. Uh, Claude Feltner, SID. Uh, one of my best friends is Buck Ballou, who broke Gator Hearts. But typical classy move by Georgia um, to have the players wearing pink uh, for Blake Anderson, who, of course, his wife passed away from cancer, Wendy, and uh, they're playing this game Saturday. So that that, that is uh, – I believe it's this Saturday. Yes. So that's a classy move, and I expect nothing less from them. They're really good people up there. Yeah. I want, you know, do you want Florida to beat them? Yes. Could I tell you some stories about not classy Georgia fans? Yeah. I can tell you about some not classy Florida fans, too. They're always bad apples. We know that. But I, I think Georgia does things the right way. And finally, number three, Heatgate. We talked a little bit with Ross about it, but it just seems like there is. There's all these heat stories that are coming out, um, but w- the the one with Texas and LSU is so weird because they complain, LSU complains, the air conditioner wasn't on. Texas does an internal study and says it was 68 degrees when you walked in there into your locker room. Okay, shut up. They said, well, we talked we talked to La Tech who played there, and they said the same thing. They had the same problems. They contact LaTeX. LaTeX says, we don't know what they're talking about. We didn't talk to them at all. Our coach didn't talk to them. Our AD didn't talk to them. I don't know where they got that from. You kind of look bad, LSU. You won, and you're complaining. Maybe nobody suffers winning like LSU coaches. We'll change that. And then the the funniest part of this whole thing was that Kirby Smart said, after this story came out, said, man, you guys have no idea what it's like to go to visiting locker rooms. It's terrible. That's a good story. You guys need to write that story about how bad visiting locker rooms are for a game. And, and I'm like, dude, we can't get in visiting locker rooms before, during, or after a game. Maybe if we asked really nicely, they'd let us go in when nobody was there. What's that going to tell us? Shut up. We liked it when we could go into locker rooms. It was fun. It made the – wait, Pat, don't look back. All right, you can look back. Just best not to stare. That's going to do it for our Duly Noted podcast for a Thursday. We'll be back with you Tuesday. Tell you what happened with the Florida. Well, you'll know what happened with Florida, Kentucky, but we'll analyze it, have another guest on, and um, have fun. Well, I, well you know what? I'm going to go for Jimmy Himes. I'll see if I can get that done. He's one of my best friends and uh, from the uh, WNOX up in Knoxville. Does a great job and been around forever. So we'll get him to talk about where Tennessee is and what's going on there. Uh, that, that should be good. Uh, that's going to be my goal. Okay, I'm not 100% sure we can get him, but we'll try to get him. Until next time, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org.